All right, as you're getting back to your seats, um, yeah, I just want to tell you guys once again, thank you. Um, my stomach is growling um, because Brother Mark really just made me hungry. Not even about the chicken for me. It was all about the banana pudding. I'm over there. My mom used to make this banana pudding. It's like bananas and whipped cream and um, then the cookies on top and the bananas and whipped cream. Now I'm making everybody hungry. So let's go on ahead through the word um, because now you're all like, I'll just be quiet so I can go to lunch. All right. So this morning we're going to be talking about something that's actually really close to my heart. We're going to be talking about the discipline of doing life together. What does it look like? What does it mean? And why it's essential for the members of the body of Christ. We'll be looking at a handful of different scriptures, and these scriptures are by no means an exhaustive list of what it means to be doing life together. Doing life is what I believe is one of the lost disciplines of discipleship, something that we don't do as much anymore. But we here at uh, Calvary Chapel are trying our best to grow as much in discipleship and as much in the Lord as we can, because we believe that discipleship is being obedient to Jesus. Being obedient to Jesus is growing in Jesus and showing our love for him. And doing that together allows us to be what he wants us to be. So especially after 2020 and 2021, with the pandemic and everything that's gone through that, we've been isolated but there's a, there's a point where the Lord's calling us back together. He's calling us back to do life together, to be in this together. Um, and there's a part of that that's, uh, that, that's yeah, that we're, ready, that we're ready to do. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a bunch of different stra- scriptures. We're going to be first starting in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't and you want a Bible, please raise your hand. We'd love to put one in your hand. You can actually take that Bible home with you. It can be yours. Um, But yeah, raise your hand and we'll put that Bible in your hand. We're in Acts 1. We're not going to stay in Acts 1, but we're going to be there in a minute for a minute. While you're there, I'm going to set the table for you. But since Mark's got me thinking about food, I'm going to set the table for you so that we can feast on it. So we're going to start in verse 12. But before that, we've seen Jesus tell his disciples, and the very last thing that he says to them is that he's going to give them power, and they're going to be his They're going to be his witnesses in the city that they're in, in the areas that they're in, unto the ends of the earth. But he says, before that, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem. And as you're waiting, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. So they all turn and they they go to Jerusalem. And then Jesus goes up into, into the sky and ascends into heaven. And we pick up in verse 12 here of Acts 1. We're just going to read verse 12. There's a fly flying around my head. For a verse, we're going to read 12 and 13 here. Or 12 through 14, excuse me. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to, to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. We see here that the disciples, 
as soon as Jesus ascends up, they return back to the place that he's told him to be, and then they do what? They get together. They stay together. If you see the command earlier in uh, verse 4, he says, and while staying with them, and he ordered them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the, Holy, of the Father, which he, which he said to you. Okay, so he didn't say, you guys all stay together and all hang out and all spend your time together. No, he says, go back to that place and wait. But these brothers, after living with Jesus for roughly three years, say, let's actually stay together. Let's spend together. Let's return back to that place and spend time together. Now, I personally don't believe that they actually stayed all together inside of the upper room. But I believe that they all stayed in Jerusalem, but they had this art of meeting together, of coming back together. As we see in a little bit later on in, in Acts 1, we see that there were actually 120-ish of them, men and women. Now, if you think about it, houses back then were not very big, probably much smaller than this room that we're in right now. There's maybe 120 of us in our church, maybe 100, 150, 175 of us in our church. Could you imagine all living in this room together? Some of our kids are out there. My kids would be like stepping on people's faces while we sleep. And, you know, my boys don't sleep in one spot, so they'd be rolling all over people. Um, I don't believe that they were all together. I believe that they were all centrally in Jerusalem. But they came together to do what? What did it say here in verse 14? All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They came together around Jesus, even in that time. They were praying, devoting themselves to prayer. Flip over to Acts 2. In between what we just read and Acts 2, where we're going to go, um, we see that the Holy Spirit falls on them whenever they're in there worshiping and praying. Holy Spirit falls on them. They start speaking in different tongues, and they go outside, and Pentecost happens at the, at the, the um, festival of Pentecost. So they're speaking in different tongues. People from all over the world start hearing them in their own voices, and they say, whoa, these people are crazy. They're inebriated. And Peter stands up and says, no, they're not. They're filled with God, and they want to tell you about this Jesus who reconciled himself, is reconciling the world to himself. Peter gets done with this, with this whole thing, and people say, what shall we do to be saved? And we get to verse 41. And it says, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Pretty amazing thing. Imagine us, Calvary Chapel, 120 people. We're all here. We're all gathered together. We're devoting ourselves, going out, coming back, devoting ourselves to prayer, having one accord. And then the next day, we have 3,120 of us. How do we integrate those 3,000 into what we're doing? How do we start moving into this life? Some of you guys might think, uh, well, let's just think, what, what did Peter do? Did he send them away with a pat on the back and say, hey, congratulations, you're in the faith? No. Perhaps Peter gave him a Bible and a discipleship book and said, hey, man, read this. We'll see you next week. 
No. Did, they, did all the disciples point to Peter and say, well, you, Peter, you did that, so now it's your responsibility on all those 3,000 people. You shouldn't have done that if you didn't want to expand our family. So since you did, you have to take responsibility for it. No. Let's take a look at what they did in Acts 2.42. They said, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Skip down to verse 46. We'll come back to 44 and 45 in a second. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. So here we see these guys, what did they do? They started meeting together with these people. They said, hey, we've got 3,000 new brothers and sisters. Some of us, my, I have three kids in my family, so actually I'm, I'm a, I have three boys. Um, there's five of us. Could you imagine if my family went from five to 205 in a day now living in our house? How would we integrate these kids inside of our house? How would we keep them into the family? Would I just say, no, this is our nuclear family? So the rest of you guys are kind of the outside, so y'all got to fend for yourself. I'm not going to give you food. I'm not going to hang out with you. No. These guys said, let's go out and do this together. These are now our family members. These are our brothers and sisters. These are our children. We have to give to them what was given to us by Christ. We actually have to start doing this life together with them. So what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right, check. We got that one. A lot of us do that pretty good. We like to come to church. We like to listen to sermons. We like to listen to those things. We can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Check. All right. Got that one. What about the fellowship? Okay, we come together and we meet together. We hang out. Some of us like to meet together more often, like I did. Um, I used to hang out around baseball with my friends. We would do everything about baseball. I loved the Atlanta Braves. I actually truly thought that if I did not watch the Atlanta Braves, then they would lose <laughs> because I was so integral to the Atlanta Braves. Greg Maddox was going to get lit up for 14 runs that day. Goodness. But if I watched, he'd throw a no-hitter because I was that integral. <laughs> but what did these guys do? They, they combined the two together. They combined the fellowship around Jesus, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to prayers. The whole purpose was that they came together around the one king, around Jesus. Their focus was Jesus. Um, I've, been I've, I've had the pleasure of growing up, not growing up, of being a part of different communities that in the community, we would be playing badminton, or we would be playing baseball, or we would be playing cards, which we played a lot of cards, and we would play spades really hard. You're throwing cards, you're yelling at each other, and you some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're yelling at each other, and you're playing cards really hard, and you'd be playing and yelling at each other, but it was all around Jesus. You'd be sharing the gospel with each other. Sometimes you'd be playing cards, the cards would get thrown off the table, and the Bibles would come out. Well, let me tell you what Jesus is telling me. Not yelling at each other, because we did that too. Man, let me tell you what Jesus is telling me about. Because you're gathering around Jesus. 
That's what these guys did. They devoted themselves to him. They were in each other's lives. They met in the temple courts, kind of like we meet here at church. But not only in the temple courts, they also met in each other's homes. And they did it with what? Generous hearts and glad hearts. How many of us are living this out today? How many of us are actually having people in and out of our lives and devoting ourselves to each other? Now, I'll be honest, I'm not talking about you spending every single day of your life going in and out of people's houses. Well, today I got to go to Bobby's house, and tomorrow I got to go to Jimmy's house, and on Wednesday we have to have Janie over here, and the next day we have to have Elisha over there, and the third day we have to go over there. Oh my goodness, I am so tired. I don't have a minute to myself. I'm not saying that, but there's a reality in our world today, especially inside of the church, that we don't spend time with people outside of our scheduled times. We're all busy people. We even boast about it a good bit. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, yeah, good. You're doing it right. <laughs> you want to be busy. And then we come up and we do it the opposite side. We're like, how you doing, man? I'm busy. Goodness gracious, man, it's busy. Kicking my bottom over here. This is so hard. We're like, yeah, it's better to be busy than it is to be empty-handed. We use it as an excuse and also to boast at the same time. We schedule our time just depending on what we want to do. And so a lot of times we have different people where we say, these are my work folk, these are my church folk, these are my golfing folk, these are my bowling folk, these are my knitting folk. I don't have knitting folk, but maybe some of you do. <laughs> and we have many relationships with many different people, but a lot of us have a mile long of relationships that are all an inch deep. We can only hold conversation with these folk for 20, 30 minutes around that topic. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just playing. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> we, we have our, our things that we build our conversations around these people, but we don't actually do life with them. We don't get in the trenches with them. We don't know how their kids are doing. We don't know what's going on with their mom and their dad. We don't open up family albums and talk about what's going on and show, show each other those things. We've lost that discipline. We've lost that art. But that, my brothers and sisters, is how we go a mile deep with people, is by living life with them. I mean, honestly, how many times can we have the same conversation with somebody about COVID? But a lot of us do it. I meet the same lady in the grocery store that checks me out. And every time we talk about COVID and masks. And I keep talking about Jesus and interjecting Jesus in there a little bit. She don't want to go there with me yet. We're going to get there, though. We're going to get there. Though. But truly, how many times can we do that with each other? There's a depth that the Lord wants to do in each one of us in doing life together. So whenever we do that, you actually know about all aspects of my life. You know about my kids, my struggles, the things that make me laugh, my hobbies, my mom, my dad, brothers and sisters, my walk with Christ, and the list goes on. And I'm not even talking about the endless depths of the scriptures that we could get into. There's a lot to talk about. We almost want to spend more time with those people every day because it encourages our soul. It's iron that sharpens iron. It's three chords that make up a rope, three strands, they're not easily broken. We enjoy each other's presence so much. Why? It's because the one spirit of God 
lives inside of us and testifies to the Spirit of God inside of us. It's a beautiful thing, but some of us have lost this aspect. So back to what I was saying earlier. We meet with each other. We spend time with each other around Jesus. This has to be more than once a year, probably more than twice a year. I'd probably say more than likely more than once a quarter. And I'm also not talking about just our four-minute conversations or our 30-second conversations when Brother Mark says, y'all greet each other inside of the church. I'm talking about us actually going deep with each other. And our 10-minute conversations after church, those are good touch points, check-ins, but they don't substitute the connection and the depth that we have to actually walk life with with each other. There's a world out there And I would say most of the world actually inside of the doors of the church are starving for fellowship and true love. Most of us, if we're honest, don't really give it around to each other. We don't give this sacrificial love, which leads us to our second point today, which is what does this mean? What does it mean to do life together? It means giving of yourself to others. It's a sacrificial love. Let's look back at Acts 4. Uh, sorry, Acts 2, I almost said Acts 4. Acts 2 at verse 44 and 45 that we skipped over a little while ago. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. It's a sacrificial giving. These guys sacrificially gave of what they had. They sacrificially gave of their time They sacrificially gave of their me time. They sacrificially gave of their Netflix time. They sacrificially gave of their baseball time, their Atlanta Braves time, whatever. They gave of their stuff. They gave of their retirement. They gave of their land. They sacrificially gave. And I'll tell you the same thing. Acts 4, 32-35 tells us the same exact story. I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but take a look at it later on. To do life together actually takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice of our time, our energy, and our possessions. But most of all, it takes sacrifice of ourselves. We have to look outside of ourselves for the good of others. We have to have empathy with each other, which is something I don't do very good at. You can ask my wife. We give as the other one has needs. It's not, well, I need to watch the Atlanta Braves because if I don't watch them, they're going to lose. It's, oh, I can not watch that, and I can go and invest in this person. This brother needs me. This sister needs me. I need to be there. But seriously, what's our most precious commodity? It's our time. It's the one thing that you're always spending, but you never get back in in return, any in return. Never get back any time. But it's also the one thing that we can spend that pays huge dividends if spent in the right way in many different spheres of life. You work hard, you can get more money. You invest in people, you can see the kingdom grow in their lives. I love the old adage, what's the only thing you can take with you to heaven? You're not going to take clothes. You're not going to take your car. You're not going to take your dog. I'm sorry, dog lovers. You're not going to take your dog. The only thing you can take with you is souls, people. So what does that tell you about the where we should be investing our time? 
It's in each other. It's in the body of Christ. You have to sacrificially given of yourself. Oh, sorry, I have a question for you. You Have you sacrificially given of yourself to promote community inside of CCR body? Have you sacrificially given body of Christ? Have you sacrificially given to promote unity inside of the universal body of Christ? Brothers and sisters that don't attend this church, are you giving of yourself, of your time, to promote that unity? to do life together, to grow with each other. All right, now don't ask this question to beat you up. I know some of you are saying, well, you, you are, Zach. <laughs> You're doing a good job. But I instead ask you that question to call you back to what the Lord wants to do through and in you. He wants to move inside of us. Look at verse 47 in Acts 2. Praising the Lord and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So through these guys being the body of Christ, loving sacrificially each other, what happened? God drew people into himself. He drew them up. He drew them closer together. They all had a much better walk. And people came into it. Jesus himself is contagious. He is. You see that person that loves Jesus, and you're like, man, I want what he got. I see Brother Mark up here smacking his lips, and I say, I want that chicken that he's eating. (laughs) It's the same thing with the Jesus that lives inside of us. God has made us in his image so that we could be his image. Yeah. Here's the goal. We love Jesus. Jesus loves people. So we love people. We, in turn, grow a special place in our hearts for the people who Jesus loves. So we love them especially. As we love people, God will love those people both... uh, What I messed up. God will love both... I need to learn how to read again. As we love people, God will love those who both love him and those who don't love him through us. And he tends, as we love people, to draw them to himself through our sacrificial loving. And it kind of turns into a vicious cycle. All right, I'm sacrificing and giving my time and my treasures and my talent to people, and God's drawing those people to himself, and then in turn, they're doing that, and then in turn, I'm doing it with another person, and then they're in turn doing that, and then we see this kingdom. The word in Hindi is felana. You see the kingdom just kind of go out like a sheet that goes out forever whenever you do this with it. I'll do that again so y'all can see it. (laughs) I'm ridiculous. I'm sorry. As we give our lives away in love and life to those around us, God tends to shine through us the most and grows us the most in him. He's doing the work. John 13, if you'll flip to it, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Also are you to love one another. So Jesus sacrificed everything that he had. He became like a man, gave up his authority, gave up his power to come to the earth. He emptied himself, it says. Emptied himself to come to the earth. This kingdom that we live in is a backwards kingdom. 
in most movies, in most kingdoms, the king reigns from on high. He's unapproachable. But our king says, hey, I give it all up for you. And then he calls us to do the same thing that he did, this upside-down kingdom of going lower. Why? Look at verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you are sacrificially giving of yourself for the kingdom of God, for other people and to other people, then people will look at you and say, those people are weird. Why? Because they're giving it all away. They're giving everything away. Giving of their retirement, they're giving of their house. They're giving of their toys. They're giving of all their free time. Why? For this God who gave everything for them. He is the one. This leads us into our third and last point for the day. Why is it essential for believers to be doing life together? If you flip over to, you don't have to flip over, actually. I'm not going to actually read anything there. But 1 Corinthians 12 is a really great passage on why we do this. If I can find 1 Corinthians in my Bible. We start off talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. But if you look at that, you can really focus on the spiritual gifts. Man, I want gifts. I love gifts. I love Christmas. I love my birthday. I love those gifts. Let me get them. But if you actually read the scripture, the whole scripture is about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, the one spirit, the one spirit that gives the gifts. It's one spirit that's inside of you. Verse 12 says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. The reason that we do this is because we are already one. You're already one whether you believe it or not. Christ is declared. He's already said it. You're already one. You are my body. If you believe in me, if you call on my name, if you are walking in my grace, then you are one with each other. It's a fact. And so instead of acting like one, or instead of thinking that we're one, or believing in heaven will become one, we live as one here on the earth. And we hurt with each other, and we rejoice with each other. Look at verse um, 26. In 12, 1 Corinthians 12, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You ever had a bad day and wondered, where did that come from? Or a bad 15 minutes? You go back and do a lot of apologizing to whoever you're around. I don't know what just came over me. It was like a demon. And they were like, yeah, I saw that. You need to get that taken care of real quick. I believe that a lot of times it's because we're actually joined together, that we're feeling the suffering of our persecuted brothers and sisters, that we have those bad moments. Because we're already one together. We do suffer with them even when we don't understand what's going on. I just feel really heavy right now. I don't know what this heaviness is. Actually, man, it's Mahmoud and... Iran. It's Jimmy in California. It's Cindy in wherever Cindy's at. 
And then you have those times where you just have unexplainable joy and excitement. And you're like, wow, I don't know what's going on inside of me. It's bubbling up. I just kind of want to sing. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Type situation, right? right, right. And you realize you're like, oh, wait. My brother over there is being honored. That's where that's coming from. I'm joined. Where he's being honored, I'm being honored. Because the one spirit lives inside of us. It's him that's doing all the work. He's the one that's doing it. So in order for us to fulfill John 13, 34, and 35, to love each other and to be known by love, we actually have to be around each other. How will you know if I stumble? How will you know if I need help? How will you hold me accountable? How will you support me in my grief? How will you walk out this life with me? We have to truly be in someone's life to be able to walk beside them in hard times. If you look at my appearance right now, and you may notice to the chagrin of my wife, my long, unkempt beard and hair. She likes it nice and short and nice and sleek. <laughs> it's honestly, it's been one of the hardest years of my life. The last two years have been quite hard. We've had a lot of things happen in the past two years that have made us truly understand grief and how to walk alongside people. Because honestly, the grief that's happened hasn't happened directly to us. And what I mean by that is I haven't lost any children. My wife is still there. I'm still here. The five of us are still one. But we've had best friends lose wives. We've had friends lose children. We've had family members immediately and blatantly choose their sin over Jesus and the kingdom of God. We've watched many of our friends in South Asia struggle financially in an area that we love where suicide, death, and depression have become a super common thing. We've also seen in this country be more divided than any other time in our lives. And so at some point over the last four months, I uh, stopped... Look at me crying like a baby. What am I doing? Um, I stopped shaving without even paying attention to it. And my wife is over there saying, get that off your face. I need to cut your hair because she cuts my hair. I need to cut your hair. And at one point, I started looking in the mirror and realizing that I was walking alongside people carrying their grief on my face without realizing it. I started learning that I'm walking beside people in their grief. And this became a picture of what the Lord was doing in my own life of me learning to walk alongside people in their grief. How's he doing that in you guys right now? It's sacrificial for me. A quick example of this is that I... Uh, I had a bunch going on this week. I had people over Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I knew that I had to get everything done. Why am I crying again? It's all right. It's all right. I knew that I had to get everything done before 2.30 on Wednesday. I taught Wednesday here. I taught Sunday here. And I knew I had to get everything done before 2.30. So my wife took my kids to the pool. Get it together, son. <laughs> I can't even speak. So my wife took my kids to the pool. Um, she said... 
There we go. I'm talking right now. She said, um, I'm going to take the kids to the pool. You have this whole time from like 2 until um, like 8 o'clock. I'll get home. You work. You go do your work, get your stuff done, churn out everything you need to get done. I was like, all right, bet. I'm going to do that. Thank you. Um, and so at about 4.30 or 5, I get a phone call from one of my best friends who leads the college and youth ministry at his church. And he calls Monday night. He has a Bible study until about 10.30 at night. Um, and on Monday night, one of his students, an 18-year-old, pulls out of the driveway, a quarter down the road, gets into an accident, passes away. I have not even started on this message. And I know I have to get it done by 2.30. And I call him. I'm talking to him. What's going on, bro? I'm so sorry to hear it. And the Lord just drops it in my heart, drop everything, and go to his house. This kid was one of his son's best friends, who his son is like a nephew to me. And I'm like, man, I got it. All right, God. And go. So from 5.30 until like 1 o'clock at night, I'm over at their house, ministering to them when 30, with a room of 30 people that I don't even know, talking about a kid that I've never met before. Why? Because we walk alongside those. We mourn with those who mourn. We work with them. And I'll be doing that the next weeks, in the next days, in the next months. And some of you guys are doing that. And there's some that you need to do even inside of this church. I'm looking at some of you out there and already, already knowing that we need to walk alongside of you better. So it's easy to do these things in the big situations, but what about in the small situations? How are we walking alongside each other, walking along with each other and doing life with each other to know what's going on? You are disobedient in that, brother. Let's be obedient in that. Okay, I'm ready. I pray that you all kind of see this necessity of this life together thing and are either encouraged in how you are currently living life with each other or you are rethinking, am I really doing life with people? Do I have this close-knit people? Now, it takes time to build that up. And there's constantly more people adding in. So that's that vicious cycle that I was saying. It's not like, oh, I've got my three friends. I'm going to always hang out with my three friends for the rest of my life. We don't bring anybody else inside. We only go get our nails done and our feet done. That's what me and my three friends do. <laughs> you see my nails? They look good. Right? We're only going to do it with them. No, it's constantly adding in, constantly pouring in, and constantly sending out. You don't stay together all the time. So I hope that you're seeing those things and that you, if you're not doing it, that you begin breaking bread in each other's homes. You begin giving sacrificially, financially. You begin giving sacrificially of your time, your coveted time. This is me and my book time. I need to get it. Never sacrificing your time with Jesus for it, but sacrificing all of your time with everything else for it. We at CCR offer a lot of great resources to us in doing this. We have men's Bible studies. We have women's Bible studies. We host tailgates. We do youth group. We do middle ground, which is our middle school ministry. Children's ministry, we have Sunday services. We have Wednesday services. We do discipleship interactives. We have young at heart. We have meals ministry and helping hands and a bunch of other things. So we offer stuff for people to do, but we still probably feel like there's more that we're supposed to do. So if you've been listening to Pastor Trevor, Pastor Tim, for the last couple months, they've been talking about home fellowships, home groups that we want to start, just as another way for us to get out of rows and into circles, 
get out of these rows where we're, where we're being talked at or we're just listening, where we're actually interacting and actually building faith and building life together. So we want to start these things. In meeting with both of them, they kind of asked me if I would like to kind of head these things up since they have a lot of other things on their plates. So I said, okay, let's do our one another's together in meeting in these health groups. So I'll tell you a little bit about them. That way you can begin praying about them and praying for them, um, what it will be and won't be. We're looking to have a couple of different people and a couple of different house fellowships that are in geographically central locations so that people don't have to drive far. So I'm, on Glen's, I'm in Glen Allen. Somebody from Chesterfield City isn't going to want to drive an hour to my house whenever we meet every time. But if there's a house fellowship that's in Chesterfield, they can come to that easier. Somebody in Amelia or Palatan, I don't even know where Amelia and Palatan are, I'm, I'm lying. So somebody out in Palatan, that area, they can all get together closer. Somebody here is in Mid Midlothian, they can get together closer. Somebody who's on the north side, they can get together closer. And it's easier to foster this life together whenever you're closer to each other. Because it's hard to say, I'm going to drive an hour one way and then an hour back. And let's be real. Like I said earlier, time is our greatest commodity. So we want to have these things in geographical locations. And then we, we also want people to be able to grow at their own pace. So maybe some of the groups are going to meet once a month. Maybe some groups will meet twice a month. Maybe some groups will meet Sunday night. Other groups will meet on Thursday. Other groups will meet on Friday in order to help foster this community and this life together stuff that we've been talking about. Some groups may have a bunch of children running around like my crazies. Some groups may have no children at all. And maybe just for those who don't, don't want to uh, bring their kids or have their kids there or are older or don't have any kids at all. We'd like to keep each of these groups just to a two-hour time period so that we can come together around Jesus and enjoy. We want to also train up the people that are leading these house fellowships in the way that they should go. So we're actually starting kind of soon-ish having people that want to either host people at their house or people that want to lead or facilitate these house fellowships gathering together. If you're interested in doing either of those, please come talk to me after the service or email us at questions at calvarychapelrva.com and say, hey, I'm interested in leading people in my apartment, in my house, in my a yard, whatever it is, and we'd like to have this. And what I'm interested in is meeting every week. What I'm interested in is meeting once a week. What I'm interested in is never meeting at all, especially not with you. Um, whatever it is, send it to us. That's not doing life together, but you know, we can have a conversation about it anyways. So yeah, once we actually drop those for everyone... Um, we'll actually be giving you more information, telling you locations, telling you who the point people are for that. But I would, I would implore you guys to pray about that and to look into it and to think about it and ask the Lord, is he asking me to give sacrificially of my house? Is he asking me to give sacrificially of my time? Is he asking me to give sacrificially of how to build this life in community together? Yeah. But you don't have to wait for these house, house fellowships to come up. You can already go ahead and start meeting together in each other's homes. You can already look across the sanctuary and say, hey, you want to go do lunch with me? You, person I've never met before. 
hey, you, sister that I talked to one time, let's go build this community. Let's go build this life together because Christ has called us one already. And we're already one. Like, don't kid yourself. We're already one. Amen. It's just us keeping us from being one. Not him. It's us. So, all right, I have questions for you because you know how I do. I always got to leave some questions simmering for you. So pull out your pen and paper and write these questions down. Pray over them. Think about them. Ask yourself these things and actually really chew over them. Here's a question for you. Number one, are you currently doing life with people? Are you going deep with people around Jesus? If so, who? List them out. Because you may see that you got your two friends that you always go get your nails done with. And that's it. And then you might say, oh, wait. I should actually do life with more people. I have more time. I don't need to be on Facebook all the time. I don't need to watch every Atlanta Braves baseball game. Are you currently doing life with people? If so, who? Here's a side question for you married couples. If I'm doing life with people, am I creating opportunity so that my spouse can also do life with people? Is she always having to watch the kids? Is he always having to take off of work to go and do that? How can I create opportunity? Am I always, is he always watching the kids? Is she not? I don't know what not meant, but whatever. Here's our second question. Who are you not doing life with that the Lord wants you to do life with? Who's the person that the Lord is saying, I want you to go and invest in that person or be invested in by that person? Who are you doing life with? Who, who are you not doing life with that the Lord wants you to do life with? Here's your third question. Are you sacrificially giving of your time, your money, and yourself to be in community and do life with people? Sacrificially means sacrificially. It's not only when it's convenient to me or only whenever I want to do it, but sacrificially. If not, why? What's holding you back? What's keeping you back? And if so, how consistently are you doing it? Is it once a year? Once every six months? Once a quarter? Last question. What is one small change, one small change that you can make that would help you do life with others better? One really small change. Actually, I could pray for them. I could invite them to lunch. I could go up and talk to that person. What's one small change? I'm excited and thankful for the opportunity to do life with you guys over this last little while. We've been here for almost 18 months now. It's our longest time um, since we've been in America. Since we've been in America? What I was born in America. That doesn't make sense. Since we've been in South Asia, it's our longest time to be in America together and to be with CCR Body and to be in Richmond and I've gotten to know a bunch of you guys. I look forward to getting to know a, a bunch more of you. And some of you guys are saying, please don't come and get to know me more. Don't hang out with me. I'm scared of you right now. Stop. You're a little bit intense and a lot crazy. So please don't come talk to me. 
but I'm probably coming for you. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. No, I'm just so, yeah, be, I, I, am, I am encouraged by what I see the Lord doing here inside of our body. And I believe, and this is my honest belief and feeling from the Lord, that we are on the cusp. We are on the cusp of really seeing the Lord do something really deep and really cool and really amazing that probably none of us have ever seen before here in this body. And I'm really excited that we're here to be here for this time period to see what God is doing. But it will take each one of us stepping into it to see that cusp stop from going the cusp and falling off of it to actually being pushed over. Let me pray for us for that. Lord, we pray for your power. Pray for you to empower us, Lord, because we can't do this on our own. We're always going to fail. I will always fail. I will always choose myself over everyone else. But in your kingdom, in your economy, God, you constantly call us to give it all away. You call us to be Paul in Philippians 3 where he says, that I may know him, I consider everything else rubbish. That I may know him only, that I may know him. To live, as Paul said, to live as Christ and to die to gain, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give us the, uh, yeah, the drive, the power, the passion to do life together. Lord, and it would be a sweet fellowship, God, that once we get that taste, we don't want anything else. We've got to find it. We've got to go and be with our brothers and sisters. We've got to bring other people in. We've got to tell people about this great community that we have in Jesus Christ. We've got to continue doing it. We've got to push forward. And we don't want anything less than that. We've got to keep loving on our brothers. We've got to keep having the hard times with them and the great times. Lord, I just pray that you would birth that desire in each one of us in here, Lord. And I just ask that we would give up our lives for you, truly. Lord, that we would give up our wants, our desires, that our lives would be yours, God. I thank you for this body and how you are doing that in so many inside of this body. Lord, but even those that we are doing it, Lord, you want us to do it even more. You want to take us deeper. Just because we've gained something doesn't mean that we've gained it all. And since you're endless, there's way more for us to gain in you, Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray that you would take us deeper with you, you would take us more with you, and that we would follow you and know you more daily, Lord. That you would convict us where we need to be convicted, and that you would grow us where we need to be grown. You know, this message is a message to the church, right? It's a message to those who, who love Jesus. And uh, I, I want to just ask for you to answer to yourself. You don't have to answer to me. You can answer to Jesus this. Is he calling you deeper? And if he is calling you deeper, how do you respond to it? And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never known him, and you know that that is a step that needs to be taken for you to give your life over to him, I've experienced that sacrificial love. I've actually seen that a little bit. That's why I came here. That's why I met with Janie. And I want to really know it fully, that I encourage you, come up and talk to us after the service. We'd love to talk to you more about it. 
Thanks.